Hello, and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast. I'm Chris Sarley, and today we're joined by Simon Moon, manager of the Elite Rated Unicorn UK Smaller Companies Fund. Thank you for joining us today, Simon. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Um, let's start, obviously, with UK Small Caps, clearly. Uh, they've had a great start to the year, um, best performing asset class, second to energy funds. Could you maybe just give us a snapshot of why they've done so well and whether you think this will continue? Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, small companies you know, tend to perform best in this part of the economic cycle. You know, they're, they're hit harder generally in times of extreme economic volatility, as we, as we saw about a year and about 15, 16 months ago. Um, but they tend to recover at a much sharper rate as well. Um, you know, so that can be seen by looking out you know, a year or two ahead and uh, small cap EPS growth is over 20% for, for 2022 compared to Five percent on the FTSE 100. That's obviously a, a pretty appreciable difference. Um, and you know, the UK economy is uh, is favourable versus many other developed uh, nations. You know, you look at the success of um, the vaccine rollout, the makeup of the economy, and the service nature of many parts of it. Um, this has been further boosted by the Brexit resolution we saw six seven months ago. Um, you know, that removed significant uncertainty that had been overhanging the UK for years. Um, I, I think you sort of combine this with, with sterling strengthening, um, and it's still long a long way below below its um, below its long term average, uh, but it's you know get, getting stronger as well. And I just think you combine that with a really attractive valuation uh, makeup of the of the UK small close market as well, and uh, you, you end up with a pretty compelling case. So it, it can keep moving forward. So, you know, small companies tend to be the drivers of economic growth and tend to be the biggest beneficiaries of that as well. And with, in my opinion, you know, absolutely on a, on, a, on a tangent of recovery at the moment. Um, merger and acquisition has obviously been picking up lately. Is, is that a good or bad thing for, for smaller company investment? You know, obviously there's a chance to make big sort of gains, but obviously there's probably potential dangers as well. Yeah, it, you know, Chris, that's, that's a really good question. It's, um, it is a double-edged sword. Uh, you know, it's always a moment of exciting excitement to see one of your companies you hold receive a bid approach and you hope you may see another sort of come in from the wings as well um but you know you you're, you're potentially um you know going to miss out on future years growth from what would be a very good company but it's it's no surprise to see you know well-run market leaders um you know, the focus of trade buyers and uh, and and pe buyers as well you know, it, it does reflect the Improving outlook um, and attractive valuations I just mentioned, you know, combined with that low level of, uh, of sterling compared to long term average, um, and it, it occasionally is disappointing uh, to lose, you know, high quality UK PLC. But there are still plenty of other opportunities out there, and when you run a high conviction fund like, like this is, um, you, know, you can reallocate that capital um, to any, any one of a number of very good companies that are on your sort of subspench. Obviously, with a portfolio like this, we, we want to talk about the stocks. I mean, they're the, the underlying drivers. So let's let's go into a bit of detail of some of your top 10. Let's um, start with Alpha FX, which is a payment and collection company. Um, are they starting to think about cryptocurrencies? Obviously, that's a big buzzword at the moment. Maybe just talk us a bit about that, please. Yeah, of course. Um, so Alpha FX is uh, a payment and collection company. But they're, they're, they're also the primary element of their business is, is hedging transactions for um, small and medium-sized businesses. So basically, um, they react to whatever their companies are are transacting in. So they, they've not really talked about crypto yet, but the, the company, AlphaFX itself, 
is very client centric. Um, you know, and if that's what the clients start using, then they'll start um, they'll start using crypto as part of their hedging mechanism as well, and then they'll all build it into their infrastructure. You know, but there's still plenty to go for in traditional currencies, long-established currencies, in my opinion. Um, you know, the company can focus by growing the service offering, which they're doing, growing, growing geographically uh, and expanding with existing clients, all, all of which they've got a very good long-term track record of doing. And, you know, just probably as an aside to the, the strength of this company and what it's achieved in the last few years, um, you know, it, it IPO's only about four or five years, only about four years ago, I think, and you know, it, I put it less than two pounds and it's now I think over 16 pounds today. Yeah, it really has done incredibly well on, on, uh, on earnings growth. Um, and, it, and when you look at that earnings growth, it's very attractively valued on a, on a price earnings growth peg ratio. Um, so I, I think there's yeah, loads more it can do when, when cryptocurrencies uh, become an important element of their clients' needs, I, I'm sure they will build into their infrastructure. Um, let's turn to another one now. Uh, Braemar Shipping Services is obviously another interesting one in the top 10. Um, we have supply chain issues around the world and the now infamous blocking of the Suez Canal. How is that still impacting that company or has how much has it impacted a company like that? Um, well, important to sort of recognise that Braemar is, is a ship broker. You know, it doesn't it doesn't own or operate ships. Um, so you, you've got to look at it in that perspective. And there are lots of challenges in terms of global the global shipping industry. But when you look at the, the supply chain issues and the ever given block in the Suez Canal, um, actually it's a positive to Braemar as it as it sort of that friction puts upward pressure on rates. Um, you know, and it's very well place to benefit from that, obviously, you know, the, the higher the rates, the higher the commission. Um, you know, and, and as an aside, you know, it's it's sort of in, in a period of, of, of growth at the moment. It's got, a, it's got a new chief exec, which used to be sort of James Gundy, he used to be the, um, the the guy that operated their, their, their main division of shipbroking, and he's now the chief exec of the whole company, which has really put the focus on where it needs to be. And, and again, I'll mention valuation, as I probably will uh, a few times in this, I do think, you know, lots of small companies in the UK are very attractively valued. And you know, these guys are sitting there at 12 times B on a, on a forward uh, on the forward year. Uh, recently reinstated their dividends, you know, which really under, underpins and underlines their confidence in the underlying cash flows of the business. And Severfield is a steel company that helped build the likes of the Shard and um, the Olympic Stadium, amongst other things. Uh, will the new working from home or the new flexible working sort of dynamic around the world, will it, will it have an impact on a, on a company like that? Or will they simply provide steel for, for different buildings? Maybe we'll talk us through that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Severfield, yeah, they're a genuine market leader in the UK for fabrication of structural steel. You just mentioned the Shard and the Olympic Stadium. They're there. They really um, are involved in, in so many um, landmark projects, um, and, and, and as, you know, as a shard sort of demonstrates, commercial offices do form part of the company's order book. But importantly, um, the, the company is very well exposed to very attractive areas of growth, such as um, you know, logistics and distribution hubs, data centers, um, and you, you could sort of if you. Did uh, subscribe to the, the theory that the, the, the office might, the office development might diminish. Well, then that the the flip side of that home working um, coin it, it is is you know more people will shop online, more people will will need um, distributed data and distributed goods as well. So there'll be a benefit of that trend, beneficiary rather of, of that trend as well. And um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily 
buy into the um, theory that uh, the pandemic will bring the end of, of the traditional office. I, I just think maybe um, working habits will change. Um, but I still, I still anticipate that office will be an aspect of, of people's ordinary working life. Maybe not five days a week, but but in in some way, shape, or form. Um, and yeah, again, valuation. Yeah, they're on a four percent yield with eleven times PE. And to to get any market leader, but for one that's so specialist as structural steel, on that valuation, it, it's pretty eye watering. And I get if, if I will, I'll just talk a bit about their um, something that's less well known about uh, the company. You know, you think structural steel, you wouldn't automatically think about anything ESG, but um, the company's doing great work in reducing its environmental footprint. It was listed in the FT's inaugural European Climate Leaders List of redu- for reducing emissions by over 20%. Uh, yeah, the small companies um, can be leaders in ESG, um, and, but they tend not to have uh, whole divisions and departments of people uh, reporting it to ratings agencies, so it's less well known about. But you know, the company is starting to talk about things like that more readily in, in, a, in a more formalised basis, and it's really encouraging to see them communicate their message and do more good work over the next um, twelve to eighteen months. Um, just lastly, on ESG, could you maybe give us a bit more of an insight on that and how that role plays in smaller companies? Are you finding more companies that are working, you know, that's filtered down into their businesses as well? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so traditionally small companies might have been doing excellent things in terms of, of um, environment, social uh, social considerations, governance, um, but they uh, they tended not to, you know, and I'll use the, in quotation marks, play the game that some other uh, more corporate, larger companies might do. And, uh, and because of this, um, I suppose, lack of uh, disclosure, um, they may well have been rated uh, more more harshly by ratings agencies. Uh, what we're doing is, again, we, we we get to know our companies as well as we possibly can. Um, so that really ticks the governance box in in in, um, in our sort of information finding process. But we see what they're doing in terms of environment and social aspects, um, and we're encouraging them to more formally represent that as part of their as part of their annual reporting structure. And it's really pleasing to see many of them. Take that advice on board, and, and because of that, they're getting better ratings agencies by um, by the, the, the numerous um, ESG ratings agencies that have popped up in the last ten years. That's great, Sam. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Unicorn UK Smaller Companies Fund, please visit fundcaliber.com. And while you're there, remember to subscribe to the Investing on the Go podcast. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these stocks at your time of listening.